All right, amen. Appreciate that, Brother Josh and uh, Miss Alyssa. And uh, after you hear him sing, we're glad he found the microphone, huh? There you go. Now you can all hear him. Well, uh, thanks for being patient and working with us. Uh, technology is great until you have to depend on it, right? And then uh, as we learn these things, I hope that you don't see a professional service, but you see one that's put together for us to come to worship a perfect God and a God who is worthy of all our praise and honor and glory. And um, I was also reminded that someone who is here has a birthday this week, and um, she is turning, look at her smiling already, look at there, Miss Alyssa. So if you welcome, I mean, at least uh, if you get time to send her a message, tell her happy birthday, appreciate her and her faithfulness to the Lord and all that she does for our church and the kids, and uh, now she's frowning at me. But anyhow, won't be the first one that frowns at me, Alyssa, right? But uh, really appreciate it. Happy birthday. Thank you for serving the Lord and our church very well. We definitely appreciate that. So well, that's it. I'm excited to share with you uh, tonight another message uh, from my series that I started two weeks ago on Sunday morning. And I said I was going to start Sunday morning on the spirit life or life in the spirit and then uh, go for several weeks, but I've already moved them to Wednesday night. So I'm going to be doing the spirit life uh, work uh, or, or sermon series on Wednesday nights. Um, I've decided to do that to continue these on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings. I'll be starting a new series um, out of the letter of Colossians. And so I don't want you to miss that on Sunday mornings. Um, we're going to take a uh, pretty in-depth look at what it really means to be a Christian. What is real faith or authentic faith in Christ? So I don't want you to miss that in the next several weeks on Sunday mornings. But uh, on Wednesday nights, I want to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. And what does it take to walk in the Spirit? Uh, when we mentioning as a Christian walking in the Spirit, what does that mean? Well, first off, you have to be born of the Spirit. Uh, this is not the works of the flesh. This is not a try harder or do better. This is not something that you can conjure up on your own good or your own doing. This is something that comes from the Spirit of life. That when we get saved, when we get born again, as the Bible calls it, uh, we are in relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible says we become born from the Spirit of God. And to walk in the Spirit begins with birth in the Spirit. And many people who are Christians realize uh, that they were falsely uh, converted or thought they were a Christian when these fruit, does, these fruit of the Spirit does not show up in their life, and so they get frustrated and they try to fill them and manufacture these fruits of their own, but the true fruit of the Spirit only comes when you're birthed by the Spirit. And uh, so if you've not been born of the Spirit of God, you will not walk in the Spirit of God. And so as I begin these, this series, I really challenged you to take a look at, um, have you been born from the Spirit of God? Not just joining a church, not just pleasing your spouse to go to church or to be better or be a try to control your temper or to be more happy or to try harder, but have you surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ? Have you been born from the Spirit of God? Are you born again? Number one. So number two, not only you got to be born of the Spirit, you got to yield to the Spirit. See, when you're born again, the Spirit comes to live inside of you called the Holy Spirit. I've heard it said by old-time preachers that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. Um, he doesn't come in and take over, and automatically you do everything you're supposed to do as a Christian. 
It's not automatic. You have to learn how to yield to the Spirit's work in your life. You have to learn how to uh, deny your flesh and yield to the Spirit of God as He works in you and the power of the Holy Spirit is now available to you, but it's not automatic. In other words, as you walk with your, uh, in your walk with Christ, as you interact with people, as you serve God, as a Christian, now the fruit of the Spirit is available to you, but you must yield to the Spirit to let Him work in you. And so we as Christians have to learn how to yield to the Spirit. Deny the flesh and yield to the Spirit. So being born of the Spirit and learning how to yield to the Spirit, but also we need to exhibit the fruit. Uh, as a Christian, they will know you by your fruit. So this fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in your life is evident to those who look upon your life. Um, for those who come in contact with you, they should see someone who's been born again, yielding to the Spirit of Christ, and also producing fruit or exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. And rather than works of the flesh, which are evident to all, now as a Christian, we exhibit the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That people see something in you that they never saw in you before. Because it's not of your own, it's not works of the flesh. You're exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. You are showing off or you are exhibiting the, the fruit of the Spirit in your life. So, you got to be born of the Spirit, you got to be yielding to the Spirit, and you have to be exhibiting the Spirit, uh, the fruit of the Spirit. And that's where the study comes in. We're examining the fruit of the Spirit, and we are checking the fruit of the Spirit, and we are checking our lives to be sure that it matches up. Rather than the works of the flesh, we are looking to exhibit or to cultivate the work of the Spirit, or to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit in our life. And for us, Galatians 5.22, that's the scripture I want to share with you, it gives us the fruit of the Spirit. And so if you got a Bible, or if you got your phone, or you got an iPad, you can take a look at this, Galatians 5.22, or you can mark it down and look at it later. It says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, or in other words, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So that's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's our checklist. And uh, two weeks ago, we checked off long-suffering or patience. Say, glad I got that one out of the way. Well, tonight we're going to talk about joy. And you say, oh, wow, preacher, you picked a great topic. In the midst of a national crisis, you're going to pick joy. Like, how in the world do you expect us to have joy in the midst of this craziness? And it is crazy, by the way. And it even more now than ever, I think we can really truly understand what joy is and what joy is not because of the circumstances that I'm in, that we are in. And you say, well, what is the definition of joy? Many people 
would answer it by saying, that's easy. Joy is happiness. Happiness is joy. But when we really look at the definition, that's not true. Uh, Joy is not happiness, and happiness is not joy. Really, happiness is the knockoff of joy. It's the diet substitute for the real thing. All right? Have you ever noticed how bad diet stuff tastes? It's terrible. And they always say, it's going to taste just like it, but it's, but it's just like the real thing. And when you try it, it's not. Like, I, cannot, I can't believe it's butter or not butter. It's not butter, all right? And I can believe it because it doesn't taste like butter. It's a knockoff. And you're going to be sorely disappointed when you try it because it's a knockoff of the real thing. Or like when they say this is a cake that's sugar-free or it has, does not have chocolate in it or whatever, and you taste it and it's like cardboard. It's not real. It's a knockoff. Well, happiness is the knockoff of joy. Happiness is the world's substitute for the fruit of the Spirit, joy. Happiness is the work of the flesh that tries to replace the true joy that comes from the Spirit of God. Happiness at its source is from this world. Happiness is always conditioned by and dependent upon what is happening to me. Happenstance. If what's happening to me now is good, then I'll be happy. What's happening to me now I like or it's great or I'm in a good position, then I'm happy. Uh, But if my circumstances are not favorable, then I'm unhappy. So the world and the things of the world is the root of happiness. So if you think about it, if your favorite sports team wins, uh, Pastor Josh had a Jaguars um, sweatshirt on, so he doesn't know what it's like to win. But anyhow, I'm just teasing. Anyhow, if your favorite team wins, you're happy. You're, you're excited. You're, you're putting it on Facebook and you're calling your friends and you're shouting and you're hooping and hollering. But if they lose, all of a sudden, you're not happy. If the stock market goes up, you look at your portfolio, you're happy. Look at all the money. I got all this. It's up. You're happy. But when the stock market goes down, guess what? You're unhappy. When you get a new truck, you're happy. Everything's great. But when it breaks down, guess what? You're not happy. Happiness is based on the circumstances and the things of this world. That's where it's rooted. Joy, on the other hand, is found as a work of the Holy Spirit that transcends circumstances of this world. You see, joy is not rooted in the things of the world. Joy is rooted in the work of the Spirit of God. So in other words, joy is rooted in God, not of this world. So joy is a fruit of the Spirit that's not shackled or buffeted by our circumstances or happenstances in our life. But the rub is, when we talked, as we talked about earlier in my introduction, Joy is not automatic. Joy is one of the most elusive fruit of the Spirit, I think, in our world today. 
And, it's, and we as Christians have to do a good job of cultivating our heart and we have to cultivate our lives to really exhibit the true work of joy and not fall for the knockoff of happiness. And so tonight, that's what I want to do. I'm going to share with you a couple things that will cultivate joy in your life. And I want to share a couple things that will discourage or will um, stamp out joy in your life. So I'm going to call them joy busters and joy builders. All right? So let's go with the joy busters first. All right? Joy busters that are in our flesh that will keep us as Christians of the work of the Spirit of joy from ruling in our hearts. And so I'm going to give you three. Beginning number one, discontentment. Discontentment is when we are discontent with what is happening in our life or what we receive from God. Discontentment is a work of the flesh that will rob you of your joy. To be discontent means that you are not satisfied. Uh, you are not fulfilled with the things that God has placed in your life. You always want more because you think you deserve more. So you get a house and immediately you discontentment rushes in and you think you should have a better house or a bigger house. You get a car and discontentment settles in and you want a better car. You get a spouse, and all of a sudden, discontentment begins to seek into you, seep into your relationship. Next thing you know, you start thinking, well, if I, have a, if I would have a better spouse, you go to church, you check it out, and you like it until you start meeting the people. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Or maybe the pastor. <laughs> and you say, you know, it's a good church, but... I'm not really content with that. I want something a little more. I want a better church and a better pastor. Well, whatever God blesses you with, you're never satisfied. There's nothing that you have in your life that you say, this is good, I am satisfied, I am content, I am full. Paul shares in Philippians 4 how to be content. Philippians 4.12 says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I find it interesting that Paul calls it a secret. It's a secret because there's a mystery about it. There's an elusiveness about it because you have to learn how to be content. You have to discipline yourself to be content. Because it's the work of the flesh will automatically rush in and say, it's not good enough. It's not great enough. Be discontent with what God has given you, and that will rob your joy. That will steal your joy. Paul's saying, I've learned it. It's a secret. I've disciplined myself, whether I have a lot or I have a little. I've learned. I have cultivated this reality of my life that no matter if I'm up or down, rich or poor, I am going to be content in every situation. So circumstances and happenstances does not affect my contentment. I listened to this closely. I, I, I heard this statement and it's really, really true. Contentment doesn't come when we have everything we want. 
but contentment comes when we only want everything God has given us. Now think about that. Contentment doesn't come when we have everything we want in the flesh, but contentment comes when we only want what God has given us. So when we learn how to be content with what God has given us, then we are cultivating a heart that is ready to exhibit joy in our life. When we are discontent and we're never satisfied and we always want more and we're always complaining about how we want something else, a different spouse, a better home, a better car, a better church, then we cultivate discontentment in our heart and there goes the joy. And all the joy is out of our life. That's that's joy buster number one. Joy buster number two is unresolved conflict with people. Let me tell you, your joy will evaporate real quickly when you have conflict between yourself and another person. And as Christians, uh, and when we, we are offended by someone, and trust me, you will be offended. You're going to be offended by other people that you live around. You're going to be offended by your family. You're going to be offended by friends. You're going to be offended by enemies. You're going to be maybe even offended by people that you love or care for. It's going to happen. And the longer that you allow that conflict to reside in your heart, the anger begins to build in your heart and it brings in bitterness. Hebrews 12, 14, and 15 tells us to challenge us to say, make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that little bitter root? That little bitter root comes into your heart and it works its way in it and it begins to make everything in your heart bitter. Listen, if you're itemizing people's mistakes, the fruit of, the, fruit of joy will be squashed in your life. Uh, Dr. Vines used to have a little funny saying. He'd always say that he had this uh, newlywed uh, couple come to him and they were always fighting and arguing and he was talking to the husband and he said, every time we get in a fight, my wife gets historical. And he goes, you mean hysterical? And he goes, no, 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 historical. She begins to tell me everything I've ever done wrong before. And it's so true. When we are not right with people, when we have unresolved conflict, that's all we can focus on. See, bitterness is like drinking acid and hoping the other person dies. It literally tears you up on the inside. And you cannot be wrong with people and be right with God. It's not going to happen. The cross has two elements. It has a vertical and a horizontal. And they both have to be right to be in communion with God. You have to be right with God. You have to be right with people. And then the Spirit of God will flow in your life. If you are right with God, you can't be wrong with people. If you're wrong with people, you can't be right with God. That's just a true statement. So joy buster number two is unresolved conflict. Joy buster number three is unconfessed sin. This perhaps is responsible for more, uh, chasing more joy out of our lives than any other. Guilt can kill joy so quickly. Sin can send joy so far away. Just to give you a quick example, the Old Testament, David was one of those that understood this very well. 
If you have time this week, read Psalm 32 and Psalm 51 if you get a chance. I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures out of this, but it says, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin, whose sin the Lord does not count against him and whose spirit is no seat. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away, though my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. And my strength was snap, uh, sapped like the heat of the summer, meaning that he felt like he was going to pass out. Then I acknowledged my sin and you and did not cover my iniquity. I will confess my transgression. See, so before confession, he was, he was uh, like the Lord's hand was heavy on him. He was sapped of his strength like of the heat of the summer. But yet, when he confessed, then it felt like the hand of God was raised off him and he could breathe again. And in, in verse 11, he says, Rejoice and be glad, righteous and sing, all those who are upright in heart. So he didn't have joy until he confessed his sin. He was trying to hide his sin. He was not, not wanting to repent of his sin or confess his sin. But yet when he came, and Psalm 51, 7 and 8 says, uh, he pours out his heart. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. See, he's saying now that I've confessed, let me get up and let joy flow in my heart again. Let me rejoice again. And the reason why many Christians have life without joy is because they have sin in their life. They have unconfessed sin in their life. Before we move on to some joy builders, let's just take a, a little opportunity to see if we need to do some pruning in our heart. Let's just let the Holy Spirit work for a few minutes to say, why is this joy not flowing through my heart? Am I discontent? Am I really not content with the things that God has given me in my life? Is there some name or some face or some person that you even thought of when I said you have unresolved conflict in your life? If there is, you need to meet with that person or forgive that person and let it go and be reconciled so you can have the joy return. Or maybe you feel like God's hand is heavy upon you because you know there is unconfessed sin in your heart. There is something that you have not confessed. And let me tell you, it will chew you up and it will, your joy will be evaporated and to truly know the goodness and the joy of Christ and His fellowship, you've got to be clean. You've got to confess it. And you've got to rejoice again. So those are the three joy busters. I'm trying to be shorter tonight. I told uh, Pastor Josh that I was going to try to be shorter tonight. And he says, uh, why? Because you see people sleeping out there? And I do. So Robert, wake up, all right? Robert, you need to wake up, sit up, and listen to the rest of the sermon. Poor old Robert's been picked on every service, I think. But anyhow, those are joy busters. Let's talk about some joy builders, all right? Let's look on the positive side. What are some joy builders? What are some things that I can do in my heart to cultivate joy? What can I do to prepare my heart so that joy can be exhibited in my life? Not happiness, but joy that's truly rooted in God that in the midst of all the stuff that's fallen apart and all the circumstances we're in this world today, how can I exhibit joy to my neighbor and joy to the person I see at the store? Joy if, you, if you're working. 
joy when you can't go to church and joy when you can't see your friends and family. How can I exhibit that? Well, number one joy builder is to worship God. To worship God. And worship is when you take your focus off yourself and put it on God. When you take your focus off of problems and you put it on God, Psalm 66, 1-4 says, Shout with joy to God. All the earth sing the glory of His name. Make His praise glorious. See, we are to lift up a heart of joy and say, God, You are awesome. God, You are wonderful. God, so great is Your power that enemies cringe before You and the earth bows before You and praise Your holy name because You are awesome. And I worship you, God. And even further in David, as he sings in Psalms 28, he says, You are my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in you. I am helped and my heart leaps for joy. Think about it as Christians, how silent we are when it comes to the worship of God. How we can celebrate and we can cheer And we can holler for things of the world, but when it comes to shouting with joy and worshiping the one and true God, we we become silent. We're, We're not willing to lift up a heart of praise. We're not willing to lift up a voice to worship Him. And I'm not saying a public, showy, look at me type of worship. I'm talking about a worship that's before God, a worship that no one may ever, no, no one may never see. But it's you just lifting up your heart to God and worshiping for who He is. Not prompted or obligated. Listen, if, if, if Josh and Alyssa has to get up here to try to prompt you or to obligate you to worship, your heart's not right. You, you should be freely flowing just as they are exhibiting the worship to God. You should worship God not by obligation, just because He's God and just because you want to lift a heart of worship. Think about it. When was the last time you wasn't prompted or obligated, but you just went to God and said, and lifted up your heart, I'm here, not because I need something, and I'm not here just to complain, and I'm not here because I need something else solved in my life. I'm just coming here to worship you, God. I'm laying down the troubles, and I'm laying down the things on my mind, and I'm just going to worship you. I'm going to ascribe worth to your name because you are worthy. One of my shortfalls as a parent is that when I'm at home, I'm working or I'm doing something on the computer or messing around something that's broke, I get tunnel vision. And I get tunnel vision because... I'm supposed to be teaching my kids how to work on stuff and fix stuff, but I get in the middle of it, and I'm like, just give me this, and give me that, and give me this, and I just start fixing it, and so I really don't listen to what they say, and I'm not really paying attention to them. I remember several years ago when Tanner was still young, uh, one night I was working on something, and I think it was something for school that I was working through uh, for grad school, and so I was just working through this paper or something. I don't even remember what it was now. But I can't remember, he kept trying to get my attention and trying to get my attention and trying to get my attention and I didn't even come up and tap me, you know? You know how people tap you? Man, I, sometimes that could just send you over the edge. And I just keep tapping and keep tapping and keep tapping. Well, it did. It sent me over the edge. I, was look, I looked up and I said, what do you want? Like I, I just snapped. Like, what do you want? And he said, Dad, I didn't want anything. I just wanted to tell you that I love you. And man, let me tell you, 
You know how I felt when he said that? I just felt like, man, my, my whole world, uh, no matter what I was involved in or what I was concentrating on, once I really stopped and heard him say, Dad, I just want to tell you that I love you. Man, I didn't want to hear anything else. I, I, man, that just made me feel so great and so grand. Listen, what about you as a child of God? If you went to God tonight and just said, Hey, God, I don't want anything, and I, I don't want to come before you to, to always ask for a solution to my problem tonight or today. I just want to come before you and tell you that I love you, tell you that I worship you, tell you that you're awesome, that I ascribe worth and glory to you. Let me tell you, you do that with your heart, and I promise you, you will cultivate joy in your heart. That is a joy builder. Second one is to serve others. Second joy Builders, when we serve other people. Someone said that a man who is wrapped up in himself is a mighty small package. And it is so true. When we are selfish and all we focus on is ourself, we lose our joy. We get so wrapped up in ourselves that our joy is gone because we only want to please ourselves and we get so selfish, we got to learn or to cultivate the joy of our life is when we serve others. That, that when we look out for the needs and wants of other people, there's joy in serving other people. That's why when Jesus came to this earth, He didn't come as a king or a tyrant. He came as a servant. And He showed us what it means and the joy that it is to take care of people and to serve others. To put someone else's need above yours. And when we do that, we cultivate joy in our life, not because we have taken the gifts or the talents, or the treasure that God has given us and wasted it on our own self, but yet we take it and we serve someone else for their benefit. There is joy in serving other people, and we need to cultivate that in our hearts. So when we worship God, when we serve others, lastly, the third one, is we need to pursue, pursue Jesus with all our heart. Now, John 15.10 puts it this way, if you obey my commands and you remain in my love, remain, that's the key word. Just as I have obeyed my Father's command and remain in His love, I have told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete, mature, lacking nothing. So he's saying, if you want true mature joy, what must you do? you got to remain close to Jesus. you got to pursue Him with all your heart. You can't take and compartmentalize your life and expect you to have joy at work when you're not pursuing Jesus at work. You can't compartmentalize your life and think you're going to have joy in your marriage when you're not pursuing Jesus in your marriage. You can't have joy in parenting when you're not pursuing Jesus with all your heart. You can't have joy in homeschooling <laughs> if you're not pursuing Jesus with all your heart. That's above all. We must pursue Him with all that we do. And when we do that, all the other things will fall in place. That's what it is to have mature faith. That's what it is to have a work of the Spirit in our heart that cultivates joy. And mature joy that will remain, that will be complete when we pursue Jesus with all our heart. <clears throat> yeah, there's a lot of old trinkets in this world. And the devil flashes them, and he dresses them up, and he puts them out there 
And he says, here, do this and you'll be happy. Do this, you'll have joy. Do this, you'll, you'll, be, you'll be okay. And man, the old world, you know, it's kind of like the fair. You go to the fair and man, they got all these uh, games set up and they got all these trinkets up there. And when you bring your kids there, you know, they're looking at all these things. And they're looking at all these uh, things that they can win. And I'm just trying to hide from the clown that's in the water thing, you know what I mean? So without fail, you walk by there, hey, fat boy, how much you weigh? You know, and you, he says something, you want to take a baseball and you know, hit that little thing and dump them in the water. But, but you go there and after a while, you decide to break down and you spend a hundred bucks to win one of those little trinkets. And man, they get that little trinket and they get it in the car and five minutes it's broke. And, and the thing that they thought was so great now they're calling it junk. It ain't worth nothing. And by the time you get home, all you've done is lost a hundred bucks. <laughs> and you've fallen for a trinket of the fair. Now listen, when we as Christians pursue the trinkets of this world, when we get to the end of those results, we'll realize there's nothing to them. They're junk. And when we pursue things like a career or we pursue money, or we pursue something that's more than over Jesus Christ, it'll leave you empty. And it's just a trinket of the world. And it's going, to leave you, it's going to leave you with no joy. And if you want true joy, remain in Jesus Christ. Pursue Him above all else. And your heart will be cultivated that no matter what happens, you will have joy. You will have joy wherever you are and whatever you pursue because you're pursuing Jesus Christ first and foremost. So in closing, let me just briefly mention something you can do. I'm going to give you some homework. Number one, what is the greatest joy buster in your life you need to guard against? Is it discontentment? Do you always seem to find something that you're not happy with? Is it a grudge? Is there something in your life that you're holding on to that no matter what happens or where you go or what you do, you always think of that person and it brings the, just zaps the joy out of you? Or maybe there's an unconfessed sin in your life and you're feeling guilty and no matter what happens, it always robs you of your joy because you haven't confessed the sin in your life. So that's activity number one. Activity number two is identify one joy builder you can focus on this week. Say, out of the three, say one of these three, I'm going to worship God this week. Every night before I go to bed, I'm going to say, God, I'm not coming to you for anything else, but I want to worship you tonight. Or maybe when you first get up in the morning. Or maybe you need to focus on serving others. There are a lot of people in need right now. There are a lot of people who need someone just to come alongside of them, help, and to walk with them through this time. And maybe you just need to find someone and serve them. And get your mind and your focus off yourself and serve someone else. And maybe this week as well, maybe you just focus on pursuing Jesus, that you realize that as life was normal, as we knew as Americans just a month ago, you were pursuing the trinkets of this world. 
you are pursuing money or pursuing a career or pursuing something that has faded away and now you want to commit to just pursuing Jesus above all else in your marriage, in your home, at church, wherever it may be, you just need to focus on pursuing Jesus with all your heart. So there's your homework. Joy busters and joy builders. And we as Christians, as we walk in the Spirit of God, let us cultivate our heart that even in the midst of this global pandemic, as they call it, even in the midst of maybe you not being able to work, or even in the midst of doing something alternative to work that you may not like or enjoy, or maybe something that you look to in your health, or something you look to that you are not enjoying, or something that's not favorable in your circumstances. How can you exhibit the fruit of the Spirit of joy to those who are in this world? Because they're watching. And they're watching you, and they're watching me, and they say, what is it in their life that is real? Because it's easy to say you're a Christian, it's easy to say God is good when the bank account's full, and the world's going great, and your job is wonderful. It's easy to say, I believe in God, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. But, but when the hard times come, when the circumstances of life close you in, will you still be able to stand up and say, the joy of the Lord is my strength? That's what they're looking for. And to do that, we must remain in Jesus and let God work in our hearts and cultivate joy in our lives. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father God, we do come before you this morning, Lord. I mean this evening. And I thank you, God, for your word. God, I thank you most of all for salvation. Lord, I pray maybe someone is listening and they say, you know what? I don't have any of these fruit in my life. And it could be because you don't have a relationship with Christ. It could be because you've never been born of the Spirit. Well, i got good news for you. You don't have to go back to church. You don't have to wait to sign a card or talk to a preacher. You can talk to God right now, right where you're at. You can call upon in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Bible says you, you will be saved. You can become born again. You can go before the Lord and just pray. You say, I don't know how to pray. pray is just, prayer is just talking to God. Talk to Him like you would Someone who was sitting in the chair next to you and say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've made a mess of my life. I need you in my heart. I want to be saved. I want to trust in you. I want to receive you. I want to believe on your name for salvation. And that Bible says you become born again. The Spirit of God births you in your spirit. Or maybe you're here and you say, or, or maybe you're listening and you say, you know what? I haven't been yielding to the Spirit. I've been, the works of the flesh is evident in my life. I've been angry, or I've been lustful, or I've, I've been um, just, uh, just bitter, or I have been, been unforgiving, whatever it may be, whatever the work of the flesh is exhibiting in your life, just confess it to the Lord. Say, Lord, I, I ask you to forgive me of these things, and Lord, I want to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit in my life. May it be like David, and may you just cry to the Lord and say, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation, Lord. And may you be able to sing the song, The joy of the Lord is my strength. And maybe you be able to say, Rejoice in the Lord, for He is great in His mercy. Man, may we be able to do that when we deal with our sins and when we come before the Lord and confess Him, He will take care of us. He will save us. Lord, I just pray You have Your will and Your way in our lives today. And as we go through this week, and as we gather back together again to worship you, Lord, I pray we will be those who exhibit 
the fruit of the Spirit, joy in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, church. All right, church family, thank you so much for watching tonight. I wanted to share a couple of things with you before you sign off, before you X out of this video. Stick tight with me for another two minutes. Um, there are lots of ways that we can connect with you this week here at Petra Baptist Church without seeing you face-to-face -face, um, while maintaining social distancing. So check us out on YouTube. This video will live here on Facebook uh, but it'll also be available on YouTube, and you can share that with, uh, with your family members, with your friends, with other church members who maybe missed the live stream. It'll be available on YouTube in just a couple of days. Um, you can also listen to this um, through Spotify. We were on Apple Podcasts, but we've, uh, we rebranded some stuff, and we reworked some stuff. We're hoping to get back with uh, Apple Podcasts here in just a couple of weeks, but right now you can find us on Spotify. Um, just search Petra Baptist Church. Um, you can also download the Petra Baptist app and get notifications uh, for events and things that are coming up. Uh, and you can also listen to our sermons there on the Petra Baptist app. Um, follow us on uh, Facebook, on Instagram for uh, uh, announcements and other things that are coming up here in the near future. Um, I know I speak for our pastor when I say that if you need something, if you don't even need anything, you just want to talk to somebody because you're alone, because you, you don't talk to anyone, you don't have a big family, you don't have a lot of friends, reach out. Um, you can email me at uh, PetraBCJosh uh, at gmail.com, PetraBCJosh at gmail.com. Um, and our pastor at PetraPastor at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and, and if you've got a prayer request that you're going through a difficult time, reach out to us. There's a, uh, if you go to our app um, on the homepage, there's a middle button. Um, you click on that. I think it says connect. Uh, and there's a little prayer uh, tab that you or button that you can click on. You can send your prayer request right into us, and we can pray for it on the spot as soon as we get it. Uh, that just comes to myself, and it just comes to our pastor. Uh, we'd love to pray for you during this time. So please, please, please reach out to us. And then we have members who are ready and willing to serve you if you are uh, in hurting or need something. So uh, we don't know if you don't tell us. So please, please, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Um, don't miss uh, our Sunday service, 1030, here on Facebook, on our website, later on YouTube. Uh, and then next Wednesday night, 6.30, same type of deal. Um, we're here for you if you ever need anything. We hope the, uh, that you're doing well. Um, if you're not on our email group, please e reach out to me via that email, that PetraBCJosh at Gmail. We'd love to be able to stay connected with you. But we pray that you and your family have a great Jesus-filled week this week. And we can't wait to see you digitally or through FaceTime or through Zoom or through Instagram or through Facebook this week. Uh, our teenagers, we're going to do a Zoom call sometime in the next couple of days, so be on the lookout for information on that. Um, but with that being said, uh, go in peace, have a great night, and we'll see you on Sunday.